0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns for a Locked On Podcast Network. Today's awesome to host, Evan Sedder, and my co host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at e on Twitter at Brendan Clean14. You also follow our Locked On Suns for on RA at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support over there is very much appreciated, as always. We're joining you guys today for our Friday episode. We're going to do another sort of mailbag episode. I know we, we've had some questions out today. There's a couple interesting ones I can hand on as well, but some more interesting NBA news going on for a second here, because I know there's a lot of Suns news going on, but the NBA news cycle never stops, and to the surprise of myself here, because as you guys know, I'm from Indiana, and I follow along with this team, and it really should not come as a surprise to some general NBA fans out there, because I feel like this, this duo between Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis isn't going to work long-term, but according to Sam Amick of The Athletic, the Pacers are currently shopping around DeMontis Sabonis, and he might be traded by the start of the start of the regular season here by next week, so let me ask you about that, and Overall, as well, what's your thoughts, Brennan, about the possibility of him being a Phoenix Sun? Because I know a lot of Suns have chimed in saying he doesn't really fit that well with DeAndre
1: Well, I think when you look at what's happening in Indiana, it's fair to wonder if the same thing would happen in Phoenix, which is uh, Miles Turner, of course, being Sabonis' current front court partner. They've played those guys together. they played them separately. Each of them have honestly grown a lot which is impressive considering that we all kind of know they're not an ideal fit but long term that team needs to start answering some questions and obviously Sabonis's, uh payday coming up here has expedited that situation and I think if you imagine him with DeAndre Ayton it's it's not unrealistic to say that the same concerns might pop up which is Sabonis can shoot the three but really as he worked his game inside and Attacked the offensive glass, got some playmaking opportunities from the post, um, got to play center defensively. That all helped his game more than what he was doing in Oklahoma City, which really was just spotting up. Uh, and, and with Russell Westbrook there, wasn't really effective to the degree that he is now. And then Miles Turner the same way, like a guy who can shoot but has always preferred the mid-range. And uh, again, like you want him defensively being a five. He's one of the better defensive fives in the league. So um is Aiton a step up offensively as a partner for Sabonis? I don't think so. Not right now. I think the same problems would happen. Aiton's not a guy who spaces the floor that well. He's really a mid-range shooter right now. And uh, Defensively, I think it's even worse.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to say because DeAndre Aiton's not the shooter that Miles Turner is at all. Not really that close at all because he still can't even shoot threes right now. That's DeAndre Aiton. and Defensively, like you mentioned there, I think it'd just be a turnstile defensively because Miles Turner is an anchor of the Pacers' defense. Aiton is nowhere close to being an anchor at this point in time as his development. And I think Sabonis guarding those quicker fours out in the perimeter it could be a bad idea when Aiton's not really helping out down low consistently. But I was talking to you about this off the air for a second, Brennan, but if Phoenix isn't a, a team, I think we both agree that it's probably not going to be a good team to tr- as far as a trade possibility for the Pacers with DeMontis Sabonis. Who makes sense around the league? Because I was talking to you. I believe a couple teams that might make sense are, are Boston and Sacramento.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think this gets us into an uh, an even more interesting kind of broader conversation when we go through those teams. And the two you just mentioned, I think, are possibilities, more more so Boston to me. I think Sacramento has quite a few bigs, but the broader conversation here that I think those teams bring up, having their own guys in Jalen Brown and Buddy Heald, who are up for extensions and in the middle of pretty extreme negotiations, I guess, with Sacramento, you even include... Bogdan Bogdanovich who we talked about a little bit yesterday uh and these teams are all I think the player you can call it player empowerment or whatever the the way that the league is catering to and organizing itself around the 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 desires and the whims of players of of star players is working its way into the extension deadline uh period for the calendar of the nba in a way we've never seen before where the fact that you wouldn't just as indiana say basically shut up and play your contract out and we'll figure it out next summer and instead would look to trade these players uh sacramento being the same way buddy healed in no uncertain terms said that he would start to look for a different situation if he couldn't sign his extension like this has never happened before these guys will still be restricted Next summer, if they are not extended right now, and still these teams are looking to trade them rather than just uh, push the uh, kick the can down the road, so to speak. So it's it's uh it's crazy to look at from that angle for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that because that's a really interesting point you brought there, Brennan. And I feel like we always thought seven to eight years was a, the amount of time if you extended a player or at least had him for a second contract, you'd have him around there. but. I feel like if the player nowadays doesn't like what they want as far as negotiations go for their second contract, like you mentioned in their fourth or fifth year, I feel like players nowadays can push themselves out even even sooner, like we saw Chris S. Porzingis even in his third year.
1: I think that Porzingis is exactly uh, the inflection point there. I mean, and more broadly, like it is just I think a trickle down of star players earning respect and opportunities based on their uh, the control that they've taken. But when you talk about the the timetable sliding further and further really with each guy that comes up here it i think porzingis is the right place to look and uh, i think this fall might give us another few examples whether whether healed or sabonis or both are traded or or none i think it's uh the fact that the conversation is is where it is here with these two guys shows the impact that the, the the star player era is having on the extension talks and the moving from a rookie contract to a second contract, that never really uh, was much of a question. You know, like you said, it was always, well, we've got him for not only his rookie contract, but because of restricted free agency, we really don't have to worry about this until that second contract starts to uh, near the end. And that's just not true anymore. I think that's, that's an unrealistic way to look at things. You have to start, I think, from really year one at this point, if we're being honest with guys that are at that star level, making them happy. I also couldn't help but think with uh, the the controversy slash conversation about the cap room that the Suns uh, got rid of, gave up the opportunity to use this past summer by extending Devin Booker a year early and having that contract go into place the first of July, and and you know like not having that money around. I think that that has to look smarter and smarter the further we get from it as painful as it must have been for the sons to not have that financial flexibility we saw how much they had to sacrifice in different trades to make their their moves work with the money owed to booker but man if 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 they didn't do that correctly and somehow botched it in a way that frustrated him uh, we could be having an entirely different conversation about his future right now with with how much earlier this stuff is happening
0: yeah, player empowerment is at an all-time high for sure. And like you mentioned there, I wonder if the Pelicans for some reason aren't doing good in the next two or three years if Zion Williamson all of a sudden just wants to ask out for some reason. Because players now control their own destinies more than ever in the NBA. But I wanted to ask you this before we end this segment here, before we dive into our mailbag. On the topic of restricted free agency negotiations, we've heard zero about Dario Saric and his possible extension with the Suns. It seems like at this point... That Starrich and the Suns both feel okay playing this out there the season.
1: It feels that way for sure. I don't think there's really uh, it's it, it would be tough in the Suns' shoes, I think, to commit to somebody like that long term, considering that they haven't even seen him play really. You know, so um, I was wondering if we might hear something, but it doesn't seem like we will. And I think that's fine. You know, again, like it, he is going to be a restricted free agent, the Suns still will have an advantage there to keep him if they'd like to, and. You know, I think he's a good fit here. I just think it's going to be a matter of how good of a fit, can he improve, can he grow his game, all those sorts of things. So nice to get him heading into restricted free agency, but I, I think it's reasonable, I don't know about you, to not feel a sense of urgency to lock him in long term right away. Oh, absolutely. Especially since
0: Saric is kind of. I know they traded back from 6 to 11 to get him and then eventually got Cam Johnson, but at this point, you need to see what Saric is like on the court in his Phoenix to Aiden. You can't just tell that in practice settings. You can't tell that just in team scrimmages. He has to be in the game action. And we'll have to definitely see it because they haven't played much at all together in preseason so far, at least in spurts, Saric and Aiden. And I think this year is going to go a long way in telling us about Dario Saric and his long term fit with the Phoenix Suns. But. Before we go on to our next, we're going to dive into all your questions from our mailbag. appreciate everyone chiming in, as always, at Locked on PHX I want to tell everyone about today's sponsor, which is which is Manscaped, which is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, on your next order, and we'll be sure to have a discount code for you. All right, Brent, let's dive in now to our mailbag. I'll start things off here first. For Max Rosenberg, at Max underscore Rosenberg9, he asks, is Ty Jerome being groomed to fill the Tyler Johnson third guard role? If he develops quicker, does that make Tyler a more likely trade piece at a deadline?
1: You start us off. I think, I think we both are on the same page here, but I'll let you take the floor because I think that's a, it's an interesting bigger picture storyline that's really going to be one to follow all year. I think so. I
0: mean, I'm I wondering about your opinion here. I, I really believe that Ty Jerome, especially what they did on draft night, they got Aaron Baines, of course, in that deal, but trading that Bucks pick to get another first-round pick in a draft, having multiple rookies on the roster once more, I think they must have valued Ty Jerome an awful lot here. I know James Jones mentioned multiple times how much he loved his his playmaking ability in the draft class, and he thought he was one of the best pick-and-roll passers in the draft, which, I know John Morant's up there, too, but I think Ty Jerome's not too far behind as far as maybe top two, top three in the class from 2019, but I think from what we've seen so far in preseason and what we've heard just inside the building, inside the facility, Brandon, there's a lot of buzz about Ty Jerome. I think that means good things for him. And I think if Ty Jerome does force away in the rotation here, which is a a possibility now, this doesn't announce who won that battle between him and Javon Kerr. We'll find out probably later this week. But I really feel like if Jerome does over-exceed expectations early on, that it's going to make it easier and easier for them to let go of Tyler Johnson if they want to.
1: Yeah, we'll see on opening night who plays in that backup guard role. I imagine that's when we'll really learn. But, you know, aside from even thinking about Johnson as a potential trade piece this year, I think you have to also realize, like, following this situation, anyone who is kind of thinking about this and excited about Ty Jerome is you also want to see how quickly Jerome can handle that type of a role to know if you want to keep Johnson past this season because not only is he a trade chip with his large salary and uh very portable game like he's a scoring guard really no team in the league would be upset to to get their hands on a guy like that but but like maybe you know maybe jerome's not ready maybe the defensive stuff is just too hard for him to overcome maybe the you know it's just a rough year for maybe he gets hurt whatever it is if it's not uh if it's not happening quickly then maybe you want to keep Tyler Johnson and try to maybe get him on a one or two year deal after this season at obviously a probably smaller number. But uh, I I don't think that's out of the question either. Despite the presence of Jerome here, keeping Johnson wouldn't surprise me. So it's all very interconnected. And uh, the fact that they uh, kind of are both getting their their first legs here in Phoenix, you know, we saw Johnson for a dozen or so games last year, but uh, it's it's fascinating to see you know I think they'll be playing together a lot I think Ty is a very you know a sponge when it comes to trying to get stuff from different guys I think he's just a basketball like he's just passionate about basketball from all the vibe that I've gotten talking to him and I think Tyler Johnson is the same way I think they'll they'll get along well and all that so um, a two similar players kind of duking it out a little bit here is going to be fun to watch uh, Josh Stockton, um, this is an interesting question, especially with how much we've kind of wondered how Devin Booker will be integrated into what we saw you know, in that 24 three-pointer game and down the road how they get the most out of him with Rubio on the court. And his specific question here at Jstock underscore 10 was, how does Monty maximize Book without putting in jeopardy the ball movement that we saw in the Portland game? Uh to me, I think it's a very reasonable question. Maybe not even so much the the ball movement necessarily, because I think Booker's a pretty willing and able passer, but I, I think it is more of a how do you how do you juggle just it's a lot of guys in that starting lineup, especially if we assume Uber is there, that just kind of tend to be most comfortable with the ball in their hands. So I wouldn't even say it's just Booker to me, but just in general, um, getting these guys, getting everybody enough touches and keeping everyone engaged, I think is going to be an interesting kind of uh, adjustment night to night for Monty.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And I think Booker getting involved as well as keeping the ball moving going is kind of a storyline we should follow along with here. I know, like you mentioned, Booker's a willing and able passer. As we saw last year, like Booker, had a chance to score 50 points against the Washington Wizards, but he kept passing the wide open guy, and they kept missing the shots when they were trying to come back and win that game. I think we've seen before that Booker's definitely able to fit into a team, team scheme and whatever system he wants to, but I really believed others like Ricky Rubio, Dario Saric, for example, those types of players, I wonder how they're going to... When Booker's hot, for example, I wonder how they're going to get him involved because I think they're going to just keep feeding him when he's hot like that, like we've seen before in the past couple of years. And I think the ball movement itself is going to work itself out with just how many... We talked before, I believe, on a podcast last week or a week, a week before, Brennan. But all the the past happy ball movers now and the starting lineup now with Rubio, Sarich, you can throw a Booker in there as well. Ains a great passer a center. Ubre's a, a debate. McHale, if he's in there instead, it's a good passer for the small forward position. So you have every position now a good passer or above average passer. And I think that ball movement's going to stay even when Booker's hot or cold.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good point that you would, I guess, expect that it would always sort of be there. Um, and I agree with you. Like, there is, there's no reason to believe that those guys won't be able to figure it out. I think that's why you bring veterans to your team, like a Dario Saric, like a Ricky Rubio. You bring those guys in because you want, you want to have that consistency night to night. You want to have guys who kind of don't get phased by problems or if, if something's not working. Um, but I think, you know, it just has to be like, as much as I'm optimistic there, we just haven't seen Booker succeed with that type of environment around him. I'm not saying he can't, but I do think, you know, it's just going to be, I think for him, a much bigger adjustment than I think, uh, we even know. I mean, like, it's funny to say something and then say that I don't know it, but like, the ball is just been in his hands and it won't be like, it's simple, but, uh, how, do, how do you stay impactful and effective? And we saw that. In, during the preseason, they weren't really emphasizing him. And, uh, what changes there? Can they figure that out on the fly during the regular season? Like, uh, as much as we believe in his shooting ability and scoring ability, I just think that like that stuff does change just the way you get ready for a game every night, the way you approach your role, that stuff is all, um, it's the whole thing it's the whole thing for a scorer and and it's going to be very different for him
0: booker's usage of the last two years 32.9 last year 31.7 the year before 28.6 in the second year do you think there's a chance that's going to go down more toward the second season or maybe his third season where it's maybe closer to like the high 20s low 30s because i mean like we talked about before in the pre-season, it was on purpose as well, as monty williams told us he was kind of just keeping the ball out of booker's hands so everyone else can get involved for a second but do you think there's a chance that booker's usage dips this year
1: I think there's a, a, a very definite chance, especially if you hope, as I think everyone should, that he cuts down on the turnovers a lot. So, you know, usages, shot attempts, and turnovers. A lot of people try to group in assists in there. It's not including assists. So, um, if he cuts down the turnovers, that's a lot of. That's a lot more possessions that are turning into the right pass. Uh, finish by a different player maybe an open three or a dunk by Ayton or something like that uh, I think the usage is, is almost for sure going to tick down I think the question is just how much and uh, like I've like we've both kept saying it's it's almost hard to guess what that exact number will look like until we really get a sense of of how he'll be used do you have another question for this segment do you want to maybe go a little bit more rapid fire in the last one how, you see anything else you like here
0: yeah, I just want to hit on one real quick because I know we got multiple questions about this player. I know he was a hot commodity in preseason. He was one of the to- hot topics for us, Frank Kaminsky. Uh, there's a couple questions. I'm just going to combine them in here. But from Kazel Kazel on Twitter, at Kazel Kazel he asked, over, under, 13.5 points per game for Frank Kaminsky.
1: I'm going to go with under. <laughs>
0: yeah, we had a lot of uh, guys go a little overboard with Kaminsky here. Yeah, we, we certainly did. I'm going to go under with you. I think it might be closer to like 7 to 8 points per game, but... Yeah, I think I know Frank Kaminsky has overachieved in preseason so far. He's certainly surprised us, but I think from the questions, I think we had about twenty percent of the questions about Kaminsky. I'm surprised by the amount of response, but I think some Suns fans need to realize it's preseason and that preseason basketball usually at at some points is a mirage.
1: Yeah, it's like let's just wait because this is a guy who has three and a half seasons of evidence that uh, it wasn't really working very well. Uh, At least you know the, the rookie year, I think there was some promise, and then it dipped down in years two and three and uh, really just the tail end of last year people got excited again so let's just let's just see like I'm excited to watch it I'm excited to see like if there is more to his game as a playmaker if he can continue to to work his way back toward being an elite shooter like we all kind of wanted to believe he would be coming out of the draft all that stuff so uh, I'm excited but like is he going to start like some people asked us? Is he going to score 15 a game? I think like this is a guy who's going to play 15 or so minutes a night and firmly be a backup. So just treat your expectations like that rather than a guy who is suddenly going to be like, hey, a f- dominant starting level NBA player. That's, that's not where he's ever been, so expecting him to do it now would be pretty silly. Uh, I have a few questions here. Um, some stuff about trades or some more uh, D'Angelo Russell Carl Town stuff, as I can see people still are chewing on that. Uh, let's get right into those, but before we do so, a reminder of the Hollinger and Duncan NBA show, a new addition to the Locked On Network that I'm very excited about, two people that I read and listen to pretty consistently, at least Hollinger getting back into it now, but I think anyone who's ever read nba content will know john hollinger the people call him the godfather of nba analytics like this is nobody to bat an eye at and he is on our network now once a week with nate duncan of the dunked on nba podcast giving their breakdown uh, from their unique perspectives here of everything going on across the nba so as we continue to flush out our national shows i hope you give them the same love you give us uh, subscribe to the hollinger and duncan nba podcast All right, so Dan at Mountain Adventure 14. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Let's not spend too much time on it because it is a silly one. But a mock trade for Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. We'll we'll throw Dan a bone here. What's your best off-the-cuff mock trade for those two all-stars?
0: This seems... I mean, factoring in salary here, of course, it, it would take Aiton probably to Minnesota. It would be a three-team deal, of course. Aiton to Minnesota, probably, because you can't keep Aiton and Towns in this scenario, of course. So Aiton would go to Minnesota. Then I guess Ricky Rubio and maybe one of the wings would go to Golden State, and then you just throw in other pieces in that, in that pie, so to say, a couple wings to Minnesota, a couple wings to Golden State, maybe throw in Rubio to Golden State. It's going to take a lot of moving parts, of course, but you're pretty much going to gut your whole team outside of maybe one or two guys and Devin Booker to have this possible.
1: Yeah, I, I would actually, I mean, it wouldn't make sense on the court with what's in place on these rosters right now because um, like Ricky Rubio, the Ricky Rubio of all of it, I think complicates things like what use does Golden State have for him? Uh, what use would he have on a roster with Russell and Booker? He, he is the wrench here, but I would try to throw Tyler Johnson in in the Russell side of it. Give him to Golden State. Have uh, just keep Rubio here. Maybe have him be a backup, and then yeah, you got to go Aiton for Towns there. Uh, probably quite a bit else to go to Minnesota because of Towns' pedigree. Um, I got to try to keep Mikhail Bridges around because that would actually be a pretty fun team with with Mikael in there and whatever. Maybe this. Maybe this is. Maybe Dan's question is the way to get Kaminsky into the starting lineup. <laughs>
0: there we go. Yeah, that perfect stretch four there.
1: Yeah, there we go. Kaminsky and Towns will just play no defense in the front court. And then uh, Bridges, Booker, and Russell. It'd be a fun team to watch. It'd be 140 to 139 every night. But uh, no, that was a fun one. But what do you got for us next?
0: Yeah, that certainly was. And I, 2024, whenever they all reach free agency at the same time, that's going to be a fun time of following with you're an NBA fan. But in the meantime, we don't have to worry about that that much with Booker and the rest of these guys. But my next question revolves around. Actually, uh, n- another kind of pseudo-trade idea, and it's from Steve Holler, at Stephen Holler. Any chance the Suns trade for Blake Griffin this season? We also had another question about Blake Griffin as well in the mailbag from Dylan, and he asked about, if Aiton hasn't shown improvement, would you pull a plug-in for a Blake Griffin Ooh. trade? So combine both those in there. That's rough, I know. <laughs> so... Pretty much a lot of Suns fans are all in on Blake Griffin at this point for the, the final star option, so to say. And even Dylan goes as far as saying if Aiton doesn't improve in the next couple months, he'd trade for Blake Griffin.
1: Uh, I'm not trading DeAndre Ayton for Blake Griffin, unfortunately, for Dylan. Um, uh, maybe Dylan doesn't want to either. Maybe he's just uh, giving us a hypothetical here. But uh, no, I don't think I would do Aiton in any sort of deal like that. And, you know, I'm actually pretty okay with Dario Saric Kelly Oubre, little Frank Kaminsky here and there at the four this year. uh, I I think that they have have at least stabilized that position where it's not a black hole. And I I just think, like, with Rubio in place making the amount of money he's making for the next three seasons, which is uh, quite a while, and then Oubre on a pretty large contract for the next two, like, any of the, you know, let's just go get a guy making a lot of money to kind of jolt things a little bit and, and help the young guys grow. I think that they did that a little bit in free agency this year. So, you know, I was a little more open to like the Mike Conley, Blake Griffin type of thing before this summer. And I think with what they've done this summer, they've created a little bit more of a structure. Now, if they don't want to keep Sharich and some things change by next summer, maybe you, you dive back in there and start to explore your options at the four. But Uh, I don't you know any chance that the Suns trade for Blake maybe like a two percent chance or something like that I definitely think if things go south in Detroit that they could really start to tear things down in a a big way so I think he'll be a guy who could be available I just don't necessarily see Phoenix being a, a suitor necessarily. Yeah, I think it's going to be more
0: of like a title contender who's panicking, maybe Portland. I know Zach Lowe brought them up in his piece today, maybe being a Blake Griffin kind of trade, but I know Lowe also mentioned in his story that Detroit is hell-bent on keeping Blake Griffin around, but if the Pistons do do bad this year, I believe he will be available in February or in July. But just for salary purposes here, for those who are wondering how a Blake Griffin trade be possible to Phoenix, Tyler Johnson and Kelly Oubre's salaries combined together, throwing a pick or two, of course, those two guys for Blake Griffin is almost identical as far as salary goes.
1: That's not bad. Yeah, that, I mean, if you're getting, if you're using Ubre as like a positive asset in that type of a deal, somebody that Detroit would actually value, that could be interesting because you know if if he's a guy who has a a good year, but you're not sold on him, then yeah, you should kind of uh, sell at the top of his market value. I don't know if Suns fans want to hear that. I think that they want to give him more of a shot, but uh, Blake Griffin's a good player, so that could that would interest me actually if if Ubre was involved, but uh let's see. I don't actually understand uh renting out Westbrook's heads question, so I appreciate that one, but I can't really make sense of it. I'm sorry um we already went through where we think they'll be in the standings, so at Migioso through that one out there we've we've talked plenty about what we think the record will be um but this is an interesting different kind of spin on it from. Suns fan Juan at Jay Morales 310 he says who do you think will be I think the main reason the Suns win more games next season so we're assuming they will like you could go at it from like win shares analytics wise or uh, the guy who will have the biggest impact on improving things I think I know where you're going to go but but who's your guy here this might surprise
0: you, actually, because I, I think the easy answer here is Devin Booker, but I believe if the Suns actually want to improve this year and actually show tangible improvements in the core and the win I believe a lot of this falls in DeAndre and his development on both sides of the court. If, if Aiden stays the same, they're not going to improve much, but if Aiden takes the year-two leap that many other number-one bigs in the past have, then yeah, I think the Suns are going to be a lot more improved. I think a lot falls on, on Aiden's shoulder, surprisingly.
1: That's interesting. I thought you would actually say Rubio, because um, that's I, I, kind of how I interpret it of like, who, not necessarily a player who wasn't actually on the roster last year, but who will add more to what the Suns had last season that they didn't have uh, to make them better. And I think that, I mean, it's when you look at it that way, I think it almost has to be Rubio, where the upgrade from what they were going with to what he will be for them on both ends of the floor is just going to be such a big upgrade that I think he, the, the impact he makes on a nightly basis will be one of the main factors in them Improving from 19 wins to wherever they get this year.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, if you if you go from that angle, I think Ricky Rubio is an easy answer because I think we've seen already in preseason action just how big of a difference that Rubio has over even guys like Eric Bledsoe in the past, and Mike James, and all these other point guards who've walked through here. Isaiah Kanan. like Rubio, is light years above those guys as far as playmaking, just being a general point guard goes.
1: For sure, I think uh, I think he'll be. One of the main factors here, uh, we had a lot of, yeah, we had a lot of questions about the record, but go check out our past shows or things we've written. We've we've definitely been on the record with that type of stuff quite a bit. Uh, a, a big improvement I think we're both expecting, and preseason, I, I don't think, changed that for us. We're both uh, pretty optimistic heading into the year that we will see a improved Suns team in 2019-20 year. Now, this
0: is the final episode here of the week, Brennan, this time on Monday and then heading into Wednesday. Next week is officially game week for us. So it's officially the season's is now starting for the listeners and us out there. So I'm pretty excited.
1: I am very excited. Basketball starts on Tuesday. Sun season starts on Wednesday. And it, uh, it won't let up for six months. So I guess it's time to buckle up. But uh, it's my favorite time of year.
0: Stay tuned to Locked On Suns, guys, as you always do. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Our reviews, really appreciate that out there. I know we're going to read some reviews on the air later on this season, but everyone, appreciate you listening, and as always, be back with you guys on Monday for next episode.